Hi, Lucky, and hi, Dina. How are you? Good. Wonderful. How are you? I'm, I'm just thrilled and excited that we get to record another episode of AI. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We're still sticking with that. Yeah, we're sticking. We're still sticking with that AI AI podcast, which means we have fun here. We talk about mm -hmm. AI, the fun perspective. Sometimes Star Trek, sometimes serious, but most of the time about Star Trek, <laughs> um, because Star Trek has a lot of AI component. If nobody's watching Star Trek, um, yeah. we want to talk about AI in a way that is fun, and it's uh, we are able to break down the AI components very easily. Not only just the concern, but the future good possibilities that comes out of it. Um, just so many perspectives, and we want to have different different perspectives come through every episode from individuals that are not necessarily working with AI, but has something to bring to that AI discussion, AI topic, right? Um, so thank you, Dina, for being our uh, guest today. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, you know, Dina, uh, we, we've been uh, having this podcast discussions uh, uh, a lot about AI, uh, but we don't generally start off with AI. So we kind of, you know, uh, speak uh, about the AI experience that we have, right? As in, uh, we talk about movies that we like about AI or AI-related experience that we have, you know. Um, Lucky has a continuous challenge for me to watch that movie uh, that I still have to <laughs> I still have mm -hmm. to catch up on. Yeah. He's never seen How about you? Science. Have you seen it? Weird science. Only parts of it, and I know the song. <laughs> so I've been told that I look like one of the people on Weird Science. But I need to sit down and watch the movie. Maybe maybe like we should do a virtual movie watch since you're in Dallas and I'm in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it. somebody's watching it with me, let's do it, right? Yeah. Virtual <laughs> <laughs> movie watch. It allows you to, I think the computers are allowing you these mm -hmm. days to actually share a movie and watch it together. That's yep. amazing. <laughs> I've done it. Absolutely. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I've thought about that. Having like... Um... During COVID, having football watching parties, right. and I couldn't get anyone to agree. <laughs> Not one person. I try. I, all my friends, they thought, "What the hell's wrong with you? You can watch it at home. I, I don't need you in the side coming out the side of my speaker." <laughs> uh, driving distance might not work, but if you're in a different state, I can understand yeah. why. But yeah, let's definitely get together and watch that movie. Lucky will put it on, and then we we'll just sit down. With definitely. Lucky. And watch it with Lucky. And Lucky will do the commentary as we go, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I the weird science, weird science is based on the idea that you know somebody built an AI so that way you know they can have a good high school life, and uh, that's what I've been told. Um, mm -hmm. But Dina, you know, let's talk about your AI experience. What's your take on AI? What's your experience has been like? Uh, what do you mm -hmm. think about the past, or what do you think about the future? What's your what's your take on AI? Yeah, I look at it uh, from the perspective of a consumer. Um, so where do I think I'm encountering AI across my buying journey? And, and then I think about it in terms of uh, my employer and what my customers, um, you know, where I've been able to help my customers. Um, so let's start with me as the consumer. Um, the first one is I have found that um, some of the suggestions I receive as I'm shopping, I'm a big shopper. Um, you know, while some of them are spot on, um, some of them aren't so much. And I think retailers have an opportunity to sharpen, um, you know, to sharpen their selections. You know, that one's really important. And that's in terms of if I'm picking out a top, um, you know, I may want a bottom, but I want something that goes with it where it's in my size, Right. Uh, but there's one AI feature in shopping that I really like, which is a size predictor. I use Rent the Runway and I rent clothing. And I found that for the most part, the sizing that they recommend, you know, based on the experiences of a disparate group of reviewers who don't always look like me, I found it to be pretty spot on. In fact, I'm wearing one of those dresses today and it fits based on the nice. AI recommendation. Um, because in the case of women's clothing and sizing, things vary within the designer and across designers. 
But I'm very happy to report that the dress is totally wearable and it was very good for when I interviewed people today. So, so yes, that's from the consumer side. Now, from the perspective of my customers, um, I think what I'm seeing, and I won't name them uh, because this isn't about a business pitch, but what I'm seeing is, is the more I'm able to make the problem very granular, the easier it is for my customers to work with us to build models, which they can test. Um, I'm finding we have to keep the problem statement very, very, very small. It's, it's one of those areas where I struggle because I'm a big picture thinker and I have to pull in people to help me go very small. Right. Wow. Yeah. And, and this problem statements, you know, uh, this use case, right. Uh, smaller they are, more boring they are. And boring they are, better off they are, because that's how you prove how AI could be effective, not only in that single use case, but how do you build other use cases off of that boring AI? Right, and, right. So, and, yeah. you know, when you, when you zoom into it, it gets more boring, but it, it, it becomes that much more simpler to do other use cases over time because of one successful use case that you have found. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with one of the examples, it's, um, and this is one I worked on a couple years ago, and it's very boring, but super important. Um, it was for my customers to be able to um, map the invoices they were paying out to the appropriate cost centers internally. And that's huge. It's so important because it determines how you know, they staff, right? It determines how they plan for the future. It determines, you know, which, um, you know, what, what's the profitability across divisions? It enables them to get all of this information. And a lot, I, we found that a lot of companies, they pay an external company to do all of these invoice reconciliations. And so it seems boring, but, you know, when they're able to do it and go live with it, They'll be able to save money. They won't have to pay the third-party outsourcer and potentially reduce manual error because let's face it, I don't know about you, but sometimes I make mistakes. But a, a well-trained AI model, we would think, would reduce a lot of those mistakes and minimize the manual intervention. Now, we can't get rid of it totally, but it's something where you say, yawn, I'm so bored. But for a company, <laughs> it's really important. Because that one zero makes it thirty million or three hundred thousand, right? Um, right. So, so that's right. a huge, huge pain that you you avoid by having a good continuity of operation and without any of those vulnerability that can disrupt the process. Right, um, right. You know, and and not to mention, done well, you save time. And and if you look at. Uh, some five-year or 10-year of a life cycle of anything, any company, any life cycle of a project, it's all about time. You know, If yeah. you're not spending time on things that are a waste of time, you are doing that much more in production and productivity, right? Uh, so I think one of the points that I, I was thinking about as you were speaking about capturing that boring part of you know the business process and saying, in vacuum, we can put in this RPA or AI, however you want to label it, and have that RPA do work. So that way we have minimal interventions, right? Um, to go a little bit deeper, just, you know, we keep talking about boring AI, which is, it's important to say that boring AI because when people think of AI, they think it's a shiny things on top of the mountains, or mm -hmm. it's like the movie where Will Smith is slapping the robots around. <laughs> or, or bad movies like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Skynet and Terminator 2, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually so, looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm turning red. I don't know why. Why am I blushing? <laughs> we know what happened with Will Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would say that it's the boring AI. It's what's effective and useful for not just today, but even in the future, because if you're not building off of that original AI use case, mm -hmm. that it's effective, that it's working. So I, I, what do I mean by the boring AI? Like if you see an image, it makes you happy because that image is something that you can recognize. But do you go into a pixel inside of the image and say, oh, this pixel is the best part of the image, right? Like that's where AI starts. AI looks at a single pixel and works mm -hmm. that 
pixel into the total combination of all the pixel, and then it figures out what a what an image is looking at, right? What that image is. So if yeah. it's Mona Lisa, it doesn't know Mona Lisa. It just knows a single pixel inside of the Mona Lisa's picture and studies that over and over with all the other pixel combined and then figures out, oh yeah, that's a Mona Lisa, right? For human eye, we see the picture, we don't start with a pixel. So no. a boring pixel that is boring AI, we don't have to go through that. We don't have to go to that boring process. We see Mona Lisa, we see Mona Lisa. If we know Mona Lisa, we know Mona Lisa. If we don't know Mona Lisa, who cares, right? Yeah. Move on. But for an AI to learn that Mona Lisa, it has to go through that boring steps of, okay, figure out what a pixel is first. What does a pixel entail? Pixel mm-hmm. entails a white and black color. Okay, if it has a white and black color, assign it these numbers and assign it these numbers if it has colors in it. Now you right. separate out. So you see that process that the, the AI has to go through in order to understand Mona Lisa, the total picture, the total image. Um, that's what I keep saying boring AI for, because if you find a use case where you can find true positive, false positive, false positive, and false negative, you have a quadrant that you can work off of and say, mm-hmm. well, it's successful that we can actually run through each of these steps inside of the business process mm-hmm. and say we will have be successful because our data are actually structured well enough for our AI to find these little details about what's positive, true positive, what's what's false negative, right? Yes. Um, and and off of that, you build up a total operation like Tesla, uh, BlackRock, or BlackRock Hedge Fund, or Amazon, or you know, uh, Facebook. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you have all sorts of possibility, but you have to start and you have to start early and you have to start with a plan that you're going to do this for the next five or 10 years. Um, I just yeah, want to put I, that out there because the boring AI is like, you know, well, why are you calling it boring AI? I'm like, yeah, got to call it boring AI because it is that boring. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. And I want to make a comment. So no disrespect to RPA solutions. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, we partner with some. And they definitely have a time and place. But with the customer scenario that I shared with you, they did try using RPA. But as you know, the issue is, um, you know, especially with cloud solutions, which are updated at a very frequent on a very frequent basis, the you have to, you know, update all the screen scraping with the RPA. And because of that, it's a constant moving target. And it's why my customer decided that for the invoice matching use case, you know, RPA was not appropriate. It's very good for for other tasks, um, but it goes back to you know because RPA, you're you're looking at the bigger picture, right? So what does this screen look like? Um, and it just doesn't capture things down at that granular level, such that if there is a slight shift, you're not redoing everything. Yes, true, true. Um, lucky. Well, how's this, how's this so far? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I'm curious. Well, yeah, the, the, this is kind of lends back to my ideas of you know what AI is in this infancy now, um, and what we're trying to develop. You know, like it seems like we're in the 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 building the foundation for AIs to the future. You know, and it, it just like I said, it, it reminds me of back in the old days where things were more disconnected and every everybody like when they had bulletin board systems when the internet started it was more spread out everyone's doing their own thing and at some point all that came together and that's what i i I know i mentioned it before but i think right now all ai is just trying to discover what ai can be and where it fits and um you know at some point i see ai growing to a, a disconnected you know, singular purpose or singular solution type scenario where AI starts to get a little bit more cognitive. And I think that's, I don't want to go there yet, but you know, that's the, that's the fun stuff that people want to talk about. You know, when does, when does a switch flip where, you know, AI becomes just a simple boring task or uh, fills in a gap process or fixes uh, or increases, you know, somebody's portfolio or how they, they manage cost in a business and it changes to, you know, Elon Musk being scared of AI, you know, when does it convert, you know? And so that's the cool stuff people want to talk about, but no, definitely all this is there. I don't know. I don't know anything about, was it a, a, APS? I'm sorry. uh, The acronym you use other than RP, 
RPA. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I have no clue what that is. And I'm an old developer, but I'm not recent developer. So Mm -hmm. that's something I know nothing about. Me neither. I'm a strategist. Okay. Um, But, you know, since I work for a tech company, as you know, if if you're in it, you you have to have at least a basic understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your customers will not trust you. They will think you are some, you know. So what is RPA? I know you started to say robotic something. Yeah, robotic process automation. Um, okay. And two very popular companies, one of whom I have some stock, is um, <laughs> one is UiPath, and then the other is blue prism, right? I, why do I keep forgetting? Um, so it's those two and, and basically, and I'm just speaking at a very high level, you know, they record, um, you know, what you're doing over a screen. And so there's a dependence on the visual side of things. Okay. Um, and they're really good for, you know, for automating some processes that are very tedious to do manually. An invoice matching, you would think, would be a pretty good candidate, except if you're constantly changing the interfaces, then you have to re-record mm-hmm. the processes. I, I get it now. I see. Yeah. 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 I, and, I think that goes back to that repeatable, redundant, or dangerous process that humans can mm-hmm. divert their attention to something else if they weren't doing something repeatable, redundant, or dangerous. And yeah. opens up human capital to a, another level. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the the other thing about it is um, a process like this that's typically outsourced doesn't result in, you know, layoffs or job reclassifications, right? Because that function's already outsourced somewhere else. And what you're doing is, is you're bringing it back in house, but making it more strategic, which is really attractive to customers. Um, in, in this day and age, we have enough going on with the great resignation as it is without making people right. fear for their jobs at the same time. Um, but we all have very tedious things that we wish we didn't have to do anymore. Like I would like someone to just come and fix all my email. <laughs> please. <laughs> so I can find things. Where is that person who's going to fix my email? With I don't know, AI? but don't tell please anybody. Find him. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell my boss. Uh, I need to find that person. Uh, I think just to hit on Lucky's point about Elon Musk and Elon Musk having uh, that that fear or that skepticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, look, it, it, he's not a, he's not AI adverse. You know, he's an AI ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is using AI to build Tesla cars and. You know, he's all about AI. There's no, there's no doubt that right. you know, he's mm-hmm. he's talking against AI. But he will point out the simple fact that 99% of AI projects are BS. They are. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. they're just shiny things on top of the mountains, right? Uh, everybody wants to get it on top of the mountain, but nobody wants to do the work. And right. because nobody wants to do the work, that will always stay on top of the mountains, and it will never become a reality. Yeah. But there are some things that are surface level that are robotic process automation, like you mentioned, um, if it's built in-house, built by the workforce, for the workforce, how would a workforce develop an AI versus how a developer that has nothing to do with the workforce will develop the AI is, is two different outcomes. A workforce that develops the AI it will develop it so it can augment itself to do better jobs in its workplace. Not only securing the job, but also performing to a level that helps company's bottom line or organization's bottom line or whatever the bottom line is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be necessarily monetary. It's that effective performance is what's going to come to play with the workforce developing that AI. If mm-hmm. somebody else is developing that AI and it comes to the organization, now organizations, uh, depends on who's engaged, might say like, well, I'm, I'm buying this product so I can replace my workforce and save more money by not paying somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, danger is on that point right there, right? As in, mm-hmm. if you start replacing human and thinking AI is going to do the job of a human and you have no place for the humans to do any job in your organization, uh, let's not do that because Tesla, <laughs> <laughs> you're lose touch with reality and then you yeah. create a disaster that is irreversible. 
right? Irreversible in the sense that Tesla has more need for people today than it did before, ever. Because data has grown with it. So just because you build an AI using tons of data, that doesn't mean the data stopped coming in today because you finished the project today. You will have more data today than you did 10 years ago, just like you're going to have triple that amount of data in the next 10 years. And there's no AI that's ever going to be able to handle that much data. You will always need a workforce that needs to grow, but you need that workforce augmentee to help with this data collection, to help with this data processing, to help with this data uh, uh, analysis and evaluations, and then monitor them in production, right? You always need human in the loop. Do you have a perspective on, um, you know, whether or not these solutions that are built by the workforce for the workforce run the risk of um, the, you know, perpetuating biases? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the role that a third party could play um, in the development of of some of these use cases? Yeah, third party development is the way to go. Now, third-party development, when I say third-party development, I mean you are the first person involved in developing that AI. So Uh you design it yourself for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the second component of that is to say, how do I uh, find feedbacks and understanding from perspective of outside the organization, not developers. These are not developers. These are somebody to come in and talk to me about my design that I'm ready to develop. But before I develop, I engage with a second party to say, could you come in and talk to me about biases that you might see that my organization folks might not be able to see? So to capture that, the third component will be, say, now that you're ready with design, you're able to develop. And I don't really want to spend money on developing within my organization. So I'll bring the third party developers to develop it for me. So, yes, the third party developer works fine as long as you have one and two connected, which is that you develop AI organically for your organization by your organization. Because if you let somebody say, I have an idea and I'll just have a third party develop it for me and have them implement it and I'll just use it. It's going to go the same route of software where software gets built and installed, but nobody ever uses it because nobody cares to use it. Right. Because they weren't really involved in the process of designing it. Exactly. Um, So it's not valuable to them. So, so yeah. to, in AI perspective, the software experience that we've had for so long, which AI adds another complexity to that, is because what I said earlier, that 10 years from now, you're going to have triple the amount of data. And how do you handle that data will require human intervention, not so much of an AI intervention. Um, human in the loop is Alan Turing term from London. Uh, the Alan Turing Institution forces this topic on all the AI engagement to talk about human in the loop, right? You don't focus on designing an AI that takes the human out of the loop. Rather, bring in more human into the loop so that way it's an AI that is based on human needs and human interaction. So human-centric design is for software, but if you talk about human in the loop, it takes a whole other meaning when it comes to AI, right? The human in the loop is to say, like, even if you have an AI implementation, an AI that's in production doing great jobs and you're monitoring and triggering it uh, appropriate timely in, in timely fashion, and but you lost the subject matter expert over time. That's not good because the subject matter expert that built it, you need to grow that subject matter expertise, uh, uh, the, the, the collection of the subject matter expertise even bigger, right? You have, to, you have to expand that type of subject matter expertise for your AI because a software can go from time to time and you know you fix it up every five years, two years, or however many months, but AI grows exponentially yeah. because you built it for to grow exponentially. So as it grows exponentially, if you lose the subject matter expertise, you lose the core knowledge that you had that this AI now could you know be dry of data, like it has no new data, so it starts degrading over time. And it starts degrading, that means you know you're losing all the potentials that you had in for a 10-year life cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So human in the loop is very important. So when I say workforce, uh, I could say human in the loop, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's much better to have your workforce that is like, you know, interested in your organizational AI, is committed to your organizational AI rather than all sorts of AI everywhere else, right? So what do I mean by that? Those third-party developers, they're interested in all sorts of AI. They're not yeah. interested in your AI specifically. So you have to have that human in the loop, the subject matter experts 
involved in order to grow that AI over time and maintain that AI over time. Because AI doesn't work in the same capabilities uh, like a software or coding and programming does after it's been productionalized. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree to an extent. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Everything sounds like it jives, like it like it would work. And and I I, I mis, misunderstood initially because I thought, okay, you always want to go with just a third party only. And, and I, I agree because typically you have people like to build what they know and what they're comfortable with. And if all they know is the processes that drive them every day, then they're going to rebuild that same application or that same process, but it's just in a different way. So a third party does come help give the perspective that would drive it outside of the box. But I think, like you said, you hit it when you started out and you hit it right on the nose, you need to keep that subject matter expert or those human touch points, the people that, that build the requirements um, that know how that AI, why it was built, you know, around those SMEs. But yeah, for the most part, I, I agree. I don't think anyone really has developers that can come in and support an AI without building something that's just different, not so much different, but outside of the box. And it, I agree, you know, there's, there's a lot that, that can be benefit from somebody coming from the outside. Now, I've seen where that's different, though, when you're in the office and you get that guy from the outside and you're like, this guy doesn't know anything about what we do and we want yes. him to build something for us, you yes. know? And so it's that perspective. But you think, OK, how can I help him? Because I, I know that I want things to be successful. But at the end of the day, not everyone's like that, you know, no. and they're, they're going to think, OK, I don't want to change. AI is going to change everything. So. So to go back to the first part of what you said that, you know, uh, people have to work with something they've been working with for so long and it works for them and to come think about it from outside the box, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a far more difficult proposition to get them out of their life cycle as in the day-to-day -day life cycle that they go through exactly. and to say like, let's, let's do things outside of the box. From now on, we're going to work four hours a day instead of eight hours a day. I bet you even that great idea will get some resistance behind it. They will say like oh, four yeah. hours a day, I'm not gonna be able to work four hours a day, but hold on, you get to say four hours a day. <laughs> so thinking yeah. outside the box has a lot of implication that comes with it, which is the word change, right? Yeah. When you change stuff, it does stuff to human psyche, which is to say, uh, really, no, I'm not going for that because eight hours a day works just fine for me. <laughs> you know, um, so so when I say that the second piece of it is to say, like, how can we identify what it is that we do repeatedly in a life cycle? And that's a boring use case that everybody can come to term within the organization, within the culture to say, yeah, we can all make this repeatable process. Mm -hmm. Let's say the RPA or artificial intelligence, like as in we can at least do the research and development. So what that does is creates a cohesiveness within the organization to say like, from now on, we're changing into an artificial intelligence culture. We had data culture for so long, now we're changing into AI culture. So without engaging wow. so much of what goes on on a daily basis inside of an office, where the business process goes, how about we just research and develop so we can prepare ourselves for the AI culture in the future, rather than trying to change the culture that we already have and disrupt it in a way that, you know, confuses people more, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that first piece is to say, look for that boring AI, find that boring AI and organize within your culture within, without really shifting your culture just to talk about AI. And then over time, you become an AI culture just from that single successful mm -hmm. use case. I mean, most of them fail. 85% of the AI project actually never goes past development. Mm -hmm. It fails all the time. It, it fails. Even 73% of the AI that actually goes into production uh, does underperformance, right? It really doesn't live up to its expectations. So, so AI is a tricky subject when it comes to success. But there's so many success cases out there. How do you become success? Is a a there's like a long gap. I don't know how to fill that. But always that that you know whatever the work culture is for last eighty years of that place to change it overnight. Let not let's let's not bring AI to change that overnight. Let's. Mm -hmm. Just talk about AI to so say, you know, how do we shift to the next 80 years? 
because for the next 80 years, you will require AI to work side by side with you. So you can keep that work environment that you had for so long. You don't have to give up, go outside the box. You just have to figure out how to augment your work life right. using artificial intelligence that is not a threat to you, but rather a way to augment your uh, behavior that you don't really have to change much. Does exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it does. So instead of manually counting things when you could be doing critical life-saving research, but you can't because you have to count these things because there's a research implication, um, you take that off of your plate, then you get to do what you want to do, which is the actual work. And it, it's no skin off of your nose because it was... Someone took the burden off of you having to count all of these precise little things. And you're still the subject matter expert on counting beans. Exactly. And nobody's exactly. replacing you. And it, right? right. And if you had to sit down and count those little things or verify or do a, a cross check every once in a while, then of course you could do it. But then the rest of your time is shifted towards the life-saving work. So I'll give you a good example of a workforce having AI and how that workforce is able to expand its capabilities. Uh, so, uh, you know, the European countries are very unionized, so they don't really have this worries about AI coming in and taking their job. So there, there was already an easy factor to convince the workers within the union, within European countries to say, yeah, if we bring in the AI, it's not really to replace you because you are unionized. Nobody's going to be able to replace you and fire you. Um, and, and I say that because one day, once they did bring in that AI, uh, the, so, so the particular case that I'm talking about here is the bank tellers, instead of doing their bank tellers job, AI was doing the bank tellers job for them. Right. And this bank tellers were actually just keeping an eye on it to see if the AI was able to perform to the level it's been performing and it's improving over time or not. So it has improved over time. So guess what happened, uh, when you have a workforce that has, uh, a lot of time in his hand, right? So the, the one of the one of the uh, business process, the way to develop it is that, like, say, here are my here are my capabilities, right? Um, I have an intention of serving this zip code, and I have the opportunity to serve uh, based on my business process that I've established. And there's my capability. So your capability is very limited. Capability is limited because your workforce is engaged in these in, uh, uh, limited capabilities, right? So when your workforce frees up its hand, now you're saying, wait, hold on a second. My workforce actually can handle more clients than I had previously. So how about my uh, workforce that used to just, you know, handle customers uh, as they come and go. Now this workforce is actually calling up more customers saying, we have more capabilities to handle more customers. Would you be willing to come and be our customers? So now you have 100,000, I'm just making up a number here. You went from 100,000 customers to 200,000 customers. Because previously, you're only able to handle 100,000 customers. Not that you didn't want to handle 200,000 customers, mm -hmm. but because of your limited ability to have limited employees, uh, you weren't able to handle 200,000 customers. But because now you have a workforce that has its hands free and is able to engage with most customers with calls and you have AI as a teller, so you are able to engage with more customers with given infrastructure that you already have in place. So your intent has grown, your capability has grown, and your opportunity has grown as well, right? So it's a matter of augmenting the workforce so that your workforce can do more. And the reason that's important in, that, in this scenario with the uh, greatest, great resignations that we're talking about is that no matter how many people that we don't have today, we're not going to have more people in the future. Right? We're actually shrinking our workforce, not because we, we, we're frustrated with our job or whatever. Baby boomers are retiring, so they're not working anymore. The next generation that is coming, that's not really engaging in, in a redundant, mundane job. They're, they want to right. do something meaningful and purposeful. So the shift in that kind of uh, lack of uh, workers is going to have to you know, be addressed. And we have to do more with little, right? Our capability have to go grow um, with, with people that, you know, we might not even have and have them be engaged in something meaningful. Like, you know, let's say for that bank example, they're calling up customers and trying to engage them to say, you know, this is a tough decision to make, but can I help you with that decisions to become a customer in this bank that you never banked with before? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very true. Um, there, there are certain jobs which um, are just not as appealing anymore. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I tried to get my son into the same field as I as as us, you know, um, geeks, and uh, it's it sounded good, it felt great, and he started, and then it just um, the 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 generation now just doesn't have that hunger to to be, and, and what's that old saying? Um, I forgot how it goes. Was it bad times breed strong men? Um, strong men um, breed um, weak. Is it not weak, but not? How does it go? Um, where basically what you notice, and it happens all through time, is you, you'll have tough times will bring strong men, and then they'll bring good times, and good times breeds weak men, and then that'll bring bad times. And then it just cycles around and around. Well, I think that's where we're at now. We've had it. So, we've worked so hard to develop this monster now that is a monster of convenience, and it makes everything so easy that we've the the next version or the uh, the, the the kids now they just have it too easy, and now it, it's they're weak, and we need we need bad times to to make strong men again, or to really kind of bring out the innovation. And I know that that's, that sounds maybe a little off, but I think there's a lot of truth in that because I've seen it in my son. And and at the same time, I have daughters that are just driven. They go to college. They're they're doing everything they should be doing. But there's there's I've noticed that even the kids that are driven are still lost right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just the sign of the times. Yeah, yeah. I, if, if I can add to that, uh, look, all generations had it good and all generations had it bad. <laughs> and by mean, by that, I mean, it's based on your experience, right? Um, when I was in the Air Force, first got in 2004, everybody that saw me, that said, you guys in the Air Force have it so easy now. It used to be really tough. <laughs> and then 2022, I talked to an Air Force guy that just got in the other day. I was like, oh my God, you would not believe what we had to endure. it's so true isn't it we were so tough like this is the this is the equivalent of look i was more poor than you are oh yeah 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 that's 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 a community of language that we have but look i think one of the things that are happening right now is that uh that 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 equalizer right so i'll give you one example it's off topic but i think it makes sense in new york city and manhattan everybody rides a subway mm-hmm. everybody rides a subway because no matter how rich you are you drive a bentley or not you're not gonna get to the wall street anytime soon if you take your bentley to work Mm-mm. right unless you live upstairs from wall street where you work right so so a train is a subway is an equalizer sort of like an iPhone that, you know, you don't have to have an iPhone, but as long as you can communicate, you have an equalizer that equalizes all things. The potential for you to reach out to somebody over a phone equalizes the whole society, right? So a Manhattan subway equalizes the whole Manhattan, no matter how rich you are. Rich, poor, everybody Mm -hmm. in the middle, weak or strong, whoever you are, you can ride the subway and get to wherever you need to go. It's up to you to persuade yourself to get uh, what, what it is that you need in life, right? So AI is one of those equalizer because if you think about data collection, data collection has two components. It's a software and a hardware. You need to have a hardware that is, you know, over time degrading, over time it will create rust, over time the wires will burn up and then it will it will stop working, right? But as long as you have a software that captures that data and keeps that, move, that data moving from one product to another, which is one hardware to another, it will always be data no matter where it goes. The data is data. You collected it. You collected it very well. You secured it. So even if your hardware dies off, and this is where I'm going with this, we as a human cannot do that. We have a hardware that wears off and it it, it goes into the ground, right? It disappears back into the ground, right? We don't know where we came from, but we know for sure where we're heading. This body, this hardware is going to go into the ground. And my memory is going to come with me. Yeah. But when it comes to the hardware and the software and the software that holds the data, that data will move on from hardware to hardware. It can live for the next 800 years if it likes to, if we allow it to. Mm-hmm. Um, lucky, I know you're going to hate me for this, but this is Star Trek, bro. <laughs> this is the whole season of Star Trek where they chased a beta software 
because it was jumping from one place to another and disappearing uh, with all the human knowledges. Um, <laughs> we always end up in Star Trek. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so so what, what you're saying, Lucky, and what's happening in the world is that we, we have to create this data and we have to create this monster because somebody else will if we don't. And mm-hmm. somebody else's monster is going to have the disadvantage, excuse me, that advantage that we don't have. And we're in disadvantage. And not that I'm saying there's a conflict that needs to happen, because if you don't know your own history, if you don't collect your own language, if you don't collect your own ability to collect data and continue collecting that data and grow it in size, um, not that somebody else will use it against you, per se, but you are forgetting something about yourself that you cannot recall using your human memories. Mm-hmm. You definitely need an artificial memory, an artificial intelligence to do that work for you. Um, so I think artificial intelligence will equalize uh, so many topics that we are suffering with today, um, you know, especially mm-hmm. with energy and water crisis. Um, I will not go into that, I promise you, but if we have to, we will <laughs> some other time. Um, but AI has huge implications on this because uh, your ability to collect and keep those collection in, 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 in a living body, which is a hardware, uh, will, will have to happen. And just collecting is not enough. You have to compute and process this data over time. Yeah. And that's why the AI is a solution. If, so if somebody labeled AI anything other than artificial intelligence, but the way I did, I think people will understand that. But people don't see it that way. They see it like it's like, oh, whatever the movie said, right? Will Smith slapping the robots around. You know? <laughs> that's what they think of AI. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's famous for that now. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a really good point. I, I hadn't thought about, you know, AI being able to help us capture, you know, who we are, you know, in our mm-hmm. present state and, you know, help us not forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, if you think about it uh, right now, the data that we collect, we collect it for auditing purposes. And we are continuously collecting those data, thinking that, you know, seven years from now, we should be able to audit what we did seven years ago. But now that we start collecting seven years in seven years worth of information, it also gives us a glimpse into how the next seven years will go, right? Right. So everything had a vision behind it. So the vision behind this artificial intelligence doesn't necessarily stop at this RPA or this information in a vacuum, but rather to say, uh, if I collect all the data in the world and keep it to myself, I will only benefit from it this much, which is a very short, short lease, yeah. right? Um, but if I was able to collect this data and merge those data with other sorts of data, and I start finding insights that no human ever in history has ever saw those insights, now we have a different source of reaction and community and society, mm-hmm. right? Society is able to look up to itself and say, like, look, we didn't even know we could invent uh, a product that is based on sand and we can stop using petroleum to develop plastic, Right. Um, and, and we can do research and development in a fashion that doesn't require tens of or tens of years or 10, 10 months worth of research and development in order for it to productionalize. We can do research and development because we already know what research and development requires. We just don't have the data that is structured to do the research. So once we get to that point where we have structured data in so many places and we can collect them all into one and start doing research to figure out how to develop a Let's say, let's say a car, let's say a plastic piece that you can sit on, right? Chair, tables, oh, furniture, whatever the case is, new materials. Oh. Uh, those are all worth it to do, right? Um, those are the possibilities that we're talking about uh, beyond just business process. Yeah. We, we did lose you for a couple of seconds. Um, you, you froze. Um, <laughs> Sorry so about that. The first part of that sentence. No, it's quite all right. Um, but I think I got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That was just like a second and a half, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a third it of a second. Split second. Technology. <laughs> maybe failing hardware. I don't know. You sounded kind of like Max Headroom for a second there. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was really good. I thought, oh, wow, okay. So we're talking about failing hardware, and here we go. The hardware's failing. Failing. There you go. Timing. Yeah. <laughs> That was a great production. As long as it recorded on my side of audio, like yeah. which I think it did, uh, when we actually put this audio together, I think it will come out great. So you're not going to hear me. <laughs> oh, no, no. Sure. Oh, wait. Are we, are we um, 
are we at the informal part now or do I need to put my serious face? No, you the, the fear, serious informal, it's all part of the game. So we're That's we're all at, part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to be serious, but yeah. life is not always serious. You gotta oh, enjoy but it. But I was serious all day. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, Let me pick my nose right? a little bit and then there we go. <laughs> now we're not we're off the serious part already. <laughs> Like, forget yeah. it. This podcast has uh, gone off the rails. <laughs> it, it needs the to hosts sometimes. aren't even drinking, but they sound drunk. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what happens when you work all day, right? That's the grind. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. But, and, and, and work, you know, has not always been the same. So the type of work that we do today requires more mm-hmm. drinking than before. Because <laughs> yeah. because if you think about it, people used to drink back in the days. They used to go back to the hard labor the next day, so the body wears it off faster. Mm-hmm. Different source of damage, but today you drink and you don't really work it off. You just keep drinking every day without working it off the next day. <laughs> you just carry the poisons over and over, and yeah. Or in my case, because I'm a candy addict, I don't really right. drink much, but I mm-hmm. do eat candy. That candy sticks with you. Not good for no. you. Not good yeah. for you. But yeah. oh, so good. Oh, so worth it. I, I could do a whole podcast and I would candy. You say about candy every week. And I would never run out of things to say. Like ever. We are, one week I could do Smarties. The next week I could do three. week after I could do that cotton candy that you get from the beach. I mean, oh, the possibilities yeah. are endless. Um, Wait a second. Are we talking about having a podcast about candy and you're going to be the host and we're going to come <laughs> listen to you? <laughs> Please do, because yeah. I would love to be in that podcast. I'm like, oh my god, we'll have you on there and we'll we'll sample all these different lollipops. Like, yeah. I, we could do that one week. Do we like the Smarties lollipop the best? I do personally. But how do we feel right. about blow pops? Yeah. How do we I, feel about the ones you get from the dentist? You know what? <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll find out. <laughs> I like Dad, sour candy. Why am I here? So. I need to go out and buy some Smarties lollipops. Like, uh... mm-hmm. <laughs> hosted by yeah. who? Like uh, you Willy hosted, Wonka. but you know, yeah, Willy sponsored Wonka. by Willy Wonka. Yeah, sponsored by Willy Wonka. <laughs> Dina, sugar addict, Kalani. <laughs> Eyes are all dilated from candy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk very fast. No, wait. Okay, wait a minute. What are we doing? Where are we? Where are we? I lost my chain of thoughts. I lost my chain of thoughts. Right, right, right. Why do I have a headache? Why is the room spinning? Where's my candy? Where's my candy? Where's my candy? Where's my candy? And then two minutes later, I'm asleep. Asleep. (laughs) On the mic. (laughs) It's a a two-minute podcast that's everybody's favorite in years to come. Well, you lose people's attention after two to three, five minutes. So That's two right. minutes is perfect. Right. Yeah, yeah, me That's collapsing right. two minutes into it would be fine. Yep, yep. Who <sighs> <Boy>, oh <laughs> needs Gary? No, no, no. When, when I could just no. sit there and eat I candy for all of you. I need to. I need to research on my podcast platform to see if there's a podcast about candies. Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, I guarantee you, Why it would do it. Would not be as fun as mine. I mean, seriously. Or I could do YouTube videos. Like I could do both. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, could do I a agree. YouTube video of my candy podcast, and that way, the people who want to consume it just in an audio fashion can do that, and then everyone else who wants to watch me physically enjoy myself as I'm unwrapping <laughs> and eating right. Smarties lollipops. Yeah. Oh man, that so that was. You go to the ASMR videos about candy eating with the rappers all holding the mic like. <laughs> <laughs> My dogs would start barking if they heard stuff stuff like that. It sounds like they're getting fed. Daddy, daddy's ready to feed us. Matter of fact, it's getting close to that time. Yeah, uh, I've got to start feeding puppies. Well, Wonderful. it's always a pleasure. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, so we are fun. not drunk, but we are about to go have some candy for ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I think sugar. tonight the <laughs> big Smarties. I have little Smarties, medium Smarties, and the giant Smarties. And today oh, yeah. we're gonna have the giant Smarties. You're talking about the big ones that are like this big yes, and kind of chewy. Oh <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I'm this. 
I don't like drinking either. I, I'll drink a shot of whiskey and then I'll chase it with about three glasses of chocolate milk. <laughs> Come on over. I'll give you some Smarties instead. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not, but yeah, candy. Is that an Irish Bailey kind of drink? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what it turns up, it's what it probably feels in my stomach like, you know, but at some point, <laughs> I, I, I give up on whiskey. I love whiskey, but I'd rather, like you, I'd rather have a bunch of candy. Yeah! <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, 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 99 times out of 100, I guarantee I would go candy. I, I yeah. not. This is the right move. Mm-hmm. It's the right move. I'm sure it'll my, kill me, but it's the right yeah. move. My my kids are going to be sad that they're going to see me eating candies. I'm not sharing it with them. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do today. Back away. Back away. <laughs> back away. It's not uh, your moment right now. It's my moment. moment. <laughs> my moment. <laughs> Eat it slow with a lot of satisfaction. <laughs> yes. So Dina and Lucky, I know we got to go get some sugar and get yeah. some sugar in our system and not talk about AI for the rest of the day because we did plenty of those. Maybe for the whole week. Who knows? I'm going to quit on AI for this whole week. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of good possibilities, but only good possibilities that I can think of is that we get to sit down and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. We get to talk to Dina and we get to talk to Lucky. And that's my privilege. That's my privilege that every Wednesday we meet for this podcast and we talk about random things but ai specifically but yeah thank you all so much for your time and i really appreciate it and i would love to hear your departing comments before we go dina I'll, after yes, you well, i'll go ahead um you know talking to you still brings home the point that a lot of specificity around what we're trying to accomplish within ai remains the best way to go. And it was good to hear all of these different perspectives, um, you know, thinking about bias reduction, um, you know, thinking about, you know, making sure that this model grows with us and it's scalable for the future. Um, when you start small, you're able to shape and define that. So I'm really grateful to you for the time and education. You're welcome. Yeah. And I'll keep mine short. I, I learned a lot today. Um, it, it, it's a good to, to walk away from something feeling like I learned something. It's, it's hard to find those moments. And when you do, you appreciate them. So thank you for today. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right. Bye.